Hello, everybody, and welcome to Get Lit Minute, your weekly podcast for all things poetic, poetry, and poets. This series is produced by Get Lit Words Ignite, which is a nonprofit organization that uses poetry and spoken word to increase literacy and empower young people. My name is Nia Lewis. In this podcast, we focus on the lives, history, and works of classic poets and modern-day contemporary poets. Today, we are going to be talking about one of the most significant poets of the 20th century, Elizabeth Bishop. Elizabeth Bishop was born in 1911 in Worcester, Massachusetts, the only child of Gertrude Bloomer and William Thomas Bishop, owners of the J.W. Bishop contracting firm. Her father died when she was only eight months old, and her mother, who suffered from serious mental illness, was committed to an institution when Bishop was five. She would never see her mother again. Bishop relocated to Great Village, Nova Scotia to live with her maternal grandparents before her father's wealthier family gained custody of her and she moved back to Worcester to live with them. She was unhappy there. Being separated from her mother's side of the family made her feel lonely. Sensing her unhappiness, her grandparents sent her to live with her aunt on her mother's side, Maud Bloomer Shepherdson, whom they paid to house and educate her. Elizabeth lived with them in a tenement in the Revere neighborhood before moving to the slightly wealthier neighborhood of Cliftondale. Though she never spoke of it to her family or wrote about it publicly, it was discovered in a letter to her psychiatrist that Elizabeth had been physically and sexually abused by one of her uncles when she was young. Bishop says that she began to write on her own when she was around eight years old and that her aunt Maud was one who introduced her to Victorian poets such as Lord Tennyson and Barrett Browning. Bishop continued to feel alone, however. She said of her unstable childhood that she felt like a perpetual guest in any relative's house. When she was young, Elizabeth fell ill with asthma and eczema, and her poor health continued to plague her throughout her life. Because of this, she received very little formal education in her early childhood until she attended Sagus High School in ninth grade. The next year, she was accepted to Walnut Hill School, but was not able to attend because she was behind on her vaccinations and instead spent 10th grade at the North Shore Country Day School. She spent the remainder of her high school years boarding at the Walnut Hill School, where she studied music, in fact. Bishop originally wanted to become a composer until she realized that she did not like to perform. Bishop says that she had been shy all her life. Even as a renowned poet, she tried to avoid poetry readings and did not want to teach. Elizabeth went on to receive her B.A. from Vassar College in 1934. While there, she co-founded the literary journal Conspirito, the short-lived alternative publication to the established Vassar Review. It was also in college that she had met her friend and fellow poet, Maurianne Moore. Moore had a great influence on Bishop as a writer and even shaped her career path when she discovered her from going to Cornell Medical School where she was briefly enrolled. Bishop's mother died the year of her graduation from college. For a while, Elizabeth Bishop used her inheritance from her father to support her lifestyle. 
Being independently wealthy allowed her to travel wildly while working as a writer. She lived in New York and spent her time in France, Spain, Ireland, Italy, and North Africa. Her extensive travels were frequent subjects of her poetry. Bishop wrote her first collection after moving to Key West and then moved to Petropolis, Brazil, where she lived for 14 years with her lover, architect, Lore de Macedo Sores. Elizabeth wrote frequently about the distinct lifestyles she had experienced in New England and the tropical Southern Hemisphere. She was also highly influenced by Brazilian poets that she encountered during those years. It was during this year, however, that Bishop began to suffer from alcoholism, and in 1967, her partner Sores took her own life. Bishop began to spend more time in New York, San Francisco, and Massachusetts than Brazil. Bishop was the consultant in poetry to the Library of Congress from 1949 to 1950 and the poetry editor of The Nation magazine. Though she never wanted to teach, she needed the money after leaving Brazil and ended up taking on teaching positions at the University of Washington, Harvard University, New York University, and Massachusetts Institute of Technology. She spent her summers in North Haven, Maine, and spent a lot of her free time painting. In one interview, Bishop even said that she preferred painting to writing poetry, and a collection of more than 50 of her paintings was published in 1996 called Exchanging Hats. Elizabeth was faced with constant loss throughout her life, and she featured these personal subjects in her writing. Her works covered a wide range of emotions and subject matters. She was a very observant poet, writing about images from her memories from her precise and true-to-life writing style. Though she incorporated sparse details of things she had personally suffered, she wrote about her mother in a short story, In the Village, for example. Her work was known for its highly detailed but observative and distant point of view. Her reservations about revealing too many private matters set her apart from her contemporaries of the confessional school, including her lifelong friend and mentor, Robert Lowell, whom she rebuked for his lack of discretion when writing about his ex-wife. Bishop was equally secretive in her own life as she was in her craft. She kept her relationship with women and her sexuality secret during her life. She did not see herself as a lesbian poet or as a female poet and didn't want to be published in all female anthologies, though she considered herself a feminist. In terms of form, Bishop was known for her skill in adhering to traditional structures. She frequently used Sistina form, influenced by the 20th century Trobador poets. When asked about her writing process, Bishop says that she kept a diary of notes from her travels, which she often referenced. She also said that, while she wrote prose and letters on a typewriter, she also wrote her poetry by hand. Compared to many of her peers, Bishop did not publish many poems during her lifetime, only 101 works. Her collection, North and South, was published in 1946, and her second collection, 
poems North and South at Cold Spring, which included her first collection plus an additional 18 new poems, was published in 1955. Questions of Travels was published in 1965. The Complete Poems was published in 1969. And finally, The Geography 3 was published in 1977. Some of her works have been posthumously published, including The Complete Poems, 1927 through 1979 and 1983, The Collected Prose, a collection of essays and short stories, in 1984, and Edgar Allan Poe and the Jukebox, uncollected poems, draft, and fragments, published in 2006. Bishop's second collection was awarded a Pulitzer Prize. In an interview with the Vassar Quarterly, published in the Paris Review, Elizabeth shared the story of finding out that she had won while living in Brazil. We lived on top of a mountain peak, really way up in the air. I was alone in the house with Maria the cook. A friend had gone to the market. The telephone rang. It was a newsman from the American embassy and he asked me who it was in English. And of course, it was very rare to hear someone speak in English. He said, did you know you won the Pulitzer Prize? Well, I thought it was a joke. I said, oh, come on. And he said, don't you hear me? The telephone connection was bad and he was streaking. And I said, oh, it can't be. But he said it wasn't a joke. I couldn't make an impression on Maria with this news, but I felt I had to share it. So I hurried down the mountain a half a mile or so to the next house, but no one was home. I thought I should do something to celebrate, have a glass of wine or something. But all I could find in that house of friends were some cookies from America, some awful chocolate cookies, Oreos, I think. So I ended up eating two of those, and that's how I celebrated winning the Pulitzer Prize. Her fourth book, The Complete Poems, received the National Book Award in 1970. Bishop was also the recipient of the Newstat International Prize for Literature, the Houghton Mifflin Prize for Poetry, an American Academy of Arts and Letters Award, a Shelley Memorial Award, a Chapel Brook Foundation Award, the Order of Rico Bronco awarded by the Brazilian government, a Harriet Monroe Poetry Award, and a National Books Critics Circle Award. She received a Guggenheim Fellowship, Lucy Martin Donnelly Fellowship, and fellowships from the Academy of American Poets, the American Academy of Arts and Sciences, and the Ingram Morell Foundation Grant. She was also elected to lifetime membership in the National Institute of Arts and Letters, the American Academy of Arts and Letters, and was inducted into the inaugural class of the New York Writers Hall of Fame. Elizabeth Bishop died in her apartment at Lewis Wharf, Boston, from a cerebral aneurysm in 1979 at the age of 68. She is buried in Hope Cemetery in Worcester. Bishop named her partner Alice Methephysis as her literary executor. Of course, given her many prestigious accolades, Elizabeth Bishop was a well-regarded poet during her lifetime. But... Her style was not as in fashion as the confessional poetry of the era. It was only after her death that she had become to be regarded as one of the most important American poets of her time. Today, I'm going to share perhaps Bishop's most famous poem, One Art, a villanelle originally published in The New Yorker in 1976 and included in Geography 3. 
Bishop said that she wrote 17 drafts of this poem, which recounts a series of escalating losses she had experienced throughout her life, from the least significant to the most drastic. So here's Elizabeth Bishop's poem entitled, One Art. The art of losing isn't hard to master. So many things seem filled with the intent to be lost that their losses is no disaster. Lose something every day, except the fluster of lost door keys, the hour badly spent. The art of losing isn't hard to master. Then practice losing farther, losing faster, places and names and where it was you meant to travel. None of these will bring disaster. I lost my mother's watch, and look, my last or next to last of three loved houses went. The art of losing isn't hard to master. I lost two cities, lovely ones, and vaster some realms I own, two rivers, a continent. I miss them. But it wasn't a disaster. Even losing you. The joking voice, the gesture I love, I shan't have lied. It's evident. The art of losing's not too hard to master. Though it may look like... Write it! Like disaster. I absolutely enjoy this poem, but part of it also breaks my heart with knowing Bishop's history and the many things that she lost in her lifetime. The many things as in people that she lost in her lifetime because for her, The art of losing was not hard to master. It was normal. It was something she had to accept. I like that she put losing something as art. The art of losing. It makes it seem almost beautiful almost magical not that art has to be beautiful or magical but when i think of art i think of something that can be beautiful it can look ugly to the eye it can be gross it can be violent and the line that i genuinely really really loved well the stanza that i really really loved was when elizabeth said i lost my mother's watch and look my last or next to last of three loved houses went. And again, with just knowing Bishop's history and having to move back and forth and back and forth because of the art of losing, makes this poem beautiful. It makes it heartbreaking. I truly love this poem. Thank you guys so much for tuning in with us on all things Elizabeth Bishop. Make sure that you share this podcast with your friends and family members, and I'll see you guys next week. Bye!
Get Lit Minute is a production of Get Lit Words Ignite. This podcast is produced by Samuel Curtis, executive produced by Diane Luby Lane, and engineered by Peter Davis. This episode was researched and written by Sakura Price alongside me, Nia Lewis. Special thanks to the entire Get Lit staff and donors who make this work possible, the teachers who use this podcast to educate their students, and to all students of life everywhere for tuning in and spending time with us today. If you want to hear more, check out the rest of our episodes on our website, getlit.org. That is G-E-T-L-I-T dot O-R-G. See you then.